Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, thank, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. You listen to your pastor very well. That's a good, that's a good thing. It's always a thrill and a great privilege for my wife, Udella, and me to be here at Generations Church. Um, you guys are about to take over Canton, aren't you? I mean, you just got this entire complex, and I don't know where all you're moving out to, but it's a great thrill to see all that God's doing in and through you. And of course, you know, one of the reasons we love to come back to Canton, or to Generations Church, sorry, jump back about 10 years, forgive me, Generations Church is uh, because of uh, Udell and I, our deep love for your pastor, Jeremy and Corey and their family. They, they are very, very close to us. And, you know, he said we shared this dream at Waffle House. You know, the great miracle was that I got him up at 6 a.m. to meet me at, for breakfast. That's the great miracle of this story. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's been him and, and Corey and all of the leaders from the day one we launched out of Sequoia High School till right now that have made all this happen with the mercy and grace and favor of God. So uh, while God may have dropped a dream in me, him and her and you folks are the ones that are making this happen. And Udell and I are just very, very proud of what God is doing in and through you. As he mentioned, I'm at Lee University. I'm the president there. Um, And uh, we've got quite a few Lee alums here, right here in Generations Church. I won't start to name all of them, but your pastor, Pastor Jeremy, is a Lee alum. Morgan Pope, who was just up here leading in worship, is a Lee alum. I believe your youth pastor and your children's pastor, Carson and Madeline Hale, are both Lee alums. I think we got some other folks scattered around here that are Lee alums. My beautiful wife down here is a Lee alum. And if you have a college student in your home or you know of one that's rising up college student, you want to know about Lee University. It's a Christian liberal arts university affiliated with the Church of God up in Cleveland, Tennessee, just about an hour and a half north of here. Uh, great school. Uh, would love to talk to you if you want to talk to me about that after service. Happy to answer any questions you might have about Lee. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Genesis 39. Genesis chapter 39. The verses we're going to look at this morning will also be on the screen just in case perhaps you do not have a Bible with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to come together like this. I thank you for your presence that is with us, your presence that um, has been with us from the moment we came in here. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit that has already occurred in lives today. And Lord, I ask that you would continue by your spirit to direct my words and open all of our hearts to what you would say to us through me. I'm not here to perform. Lord, I'm simply here to be used of you to speak what you would have spoken. And I pray that when we leave this place, God, we know we have heard from you and that our lives are changed because of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read to you a top 10 list. And what this top 10 list is the 10 most common phrases used when engaging in a particular behavior. Now, when I read these phrases, I want you to be thinking, what is the behavior 
that these phrases are referring to. In other words, these are the 10 most common what. So let's look at this real quick. First, I'm fine. Second, I've read and agreed to the above terms. Third, I don't lie. Four, I am sick. Five, wow, you look great in that outfit. Six, don't worry, it'll be okay. Seven, I'll be there in about five minutes. Eight, sorry, I forgot. Nine, I don't care. Ten, I love you. What do you think those are the ten most common what? Lies? How many of you think those are the ten most common lies? Yeah, that's quite a few of you. That's it. That's the ten most common lies. My question is, how did we all know that? Think about it a moment. Obviously, they've been told to us, but then perhaps also we have used them in our own lives, maybe not to really tell the full truth. And perhaps what this says about all of us, there's a greater quality of life that maybe all of us struggle with from time to time. It is a quality that is vital to any thriving, good healthy relationship. If this quality is not in a relationship, it will not survive. In fact, it is a quality that we need in leadership desperately. Two men by the name of James Cousins and Barry Posner. For the past 30 or 40 years, they have been the leading researchers in the field of leadership. And in their vast studies... They have uh, kind of come up with some number one things that people are looking for in leaders that make up this quality I want to talk to you about today. Their research shows that the number one question people want to know about their leader is, who are you? What do you believe in? What do you stand for? What are your values? Their research also shows the number one quality people want in a leader is honesty. The research also shows that the foundation of leadership is credibility. If there's no credibility, if there's no honesty, there is no effective leadership. And then another part of their study says the number one leadership behavior that demonstrates credibility is do what you say you will do. D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D. If you want to put that on a bracelet, you can. It might be very large, but go for it if you want to. Here's the deal. When you look at these qualities... They make up to me one particular quality that we all have to have, and that is the quality of integrity. We want leaders of integrity. We want leaders that are who they say they are, that do what they say they do. They are honest. They tell the truth. And I think there's a tendency, we look across the vast landscape of the leaders within our nation and around this world, we see more and more the lack of integrity that seems to be in so many leaders. A great leader that you may have recognized this name, named Warren Buffett. He's 92 years young. He's been a tremendous investor and successful CEO and founder of the company Berkshire Hathaway which owns many companies, companies like Geico and Duracell and Dairy Queen. He is worth $115 billion. And this is what he said in his vast experience. He said, in looking for people to hire, look for three qualities, integrity, intelligence, and energy. And if they don't have the first one, the other two will kill you. Now, in my leadership career that spans about 40 years... 
When I've hired folks, I have had those occasions where I've hired somebody high intelligence, high energy, but unfortunately their integrity wasn't that high. And what Buffett says is very, very true. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 11.3, honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Proverbs 10.9 says people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Now, obviously, we want leaders of integrity. We want all of our relationships to be relationships of integrity. We want parents of integrity. We want children of integrity. We want family members, employers, employees, anybody we deal with in a given day, we want them to be people of integrity. But what does integrity look like? What are the behaviors? What are the attitudes? What are those actions? Well, what I want to do is take a look at this in an episode in the life of Joseph out of the Old Testament in Genesis 39. Now, Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. So Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons. In fact, the story tells us that he made Joseph this coat of many colors. He didn't make any of his other sons that kind of a gift. So his brothers, Joseph's brothers, were very envious and embittered and angry at Joseph. So they hatched this plot, sold Joseph into slavery to a band of Ishmaelites that were headed down to Egypt. They took his coat of many colors, dipped it in animal blood, took it to his father Jacob and said, your son Joseph has been killed. Now, this is where we pick up the story in Genesis 39. Now, here's what I want to do, so hang with me. I want to read 22 verses of this story that sets up this idea of what integrity looks like. For some of you, this will catch you up on the reading that you didn't do last week. Some of you will put your head of your Bible reading for this week. For some of you, it's reintroducing you to the Bible. So let's all stand together, if we could, please, and let's look at these 22 verses together. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She called him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. 
But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left the cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden, so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? You can be seated. I want to share with you three observations out of this story we just read. There's so many other things we can pull from here for sure. But let me just share three observations about integrity from this story. First, God's favor does not exempt me from responsibility. God's favor doesn't exempt me from responsibility. God's favor rested upon Joseph. Joseph was blessed and God prospered him. But Joseph did not use the grace and the favor and the blessing of God as an excuse to be a person of irresponsibility or to be a person of a lack of integrity. He didn't use God's blessing and grace as a license to do what he wanted to do and live however he wanted to live. In fact, I would say just the opposite. That this favor and blessing and and prosperity of God upon Joseph motivated him to be a greater person of responsibility and to be a greater person of integrity. You see, the grace of God is not a license for any of us to do whatever it is we want to do and be whatever it is we want to be and treat people the way, you know, that we, we might want to treat people sometimes. How many of you are grateful for God's grace? I mean, without the grace of God, we don't even need to be here. Without the grace of God, we wouldn't even be able to be in relationship with him. But his grace doesn't give us an excuse to be irresponsible or to be people of a lack of integrity. In fact, it should be just the opposite. Followers of Jesus Christ should be the people of utmost integrity and utmost responsibility. It should motivate us. And empower us to be those types of people. I heard Tony Campolo, you may remember that name from years ago, a big church leader during his time. But he tells a story of a a man named Joe, not Joseph of the Old Testament, but in this story, this man named Joe. Joe was a, 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 a homeless man living in downtown area, in this inner city area. And Joe, unfortunately, uh, was a drunkard. He, he was an alcoholic. 
And when he would ever get any kind of money, he would normally spend it on alcohol. Now, there was this little mission church in this downtown area that would open their doors in the evening to homeless men who were looking for a meal and perhaps even a place to sleep. They had several beds that these men could sleep in, but they had to be a part of a church service. They had to hear a message of Christ for them to come and eat and to sleep there. Joe went there many, many times, but when Joe would get drunk, he became very belligerent and rude and difficult to deal with, very cantankerous, and oftentimes they'd have to ask Joe to leave because he was just too uh, rude in everybody's faces. Well, Joe eventually did come to Jesus Christ, and the grace and the favor of God so changed his life. He got his life cleaned up. He got a little job, but he would come back to that mission every single night, and he became the greatest servant among all those that worked in that mission. He would help serve the meal, cook the meal. He would clean up. He would clean up the restrooms. He would put men to bed, help men get in bed. I mean, he became this amazing servant. One night when they were having their little church service, the director of the mission was preaching, and there were four or five homeless men And one of them, right in the middle of the director's sermon, got up, came down to the altar and began to kneel down and began to cry out where everybody could hear him, God, make me like Joe. Please, God, make me like Joe. And the director looked down at the man and said, Sir, I believe you want to pray, God, make me like Jesus. To which he said, Mr. Director, is Jesus like Joe? Is Jesus like Joe? Isn't that what we're talking about? This transforming grace and favor of God so changed Joe's life. He became a greater person of integrity, a greater person of responsibility. The grace of God does not exempt us from responsibility and being people of integrity. The second observation I would make out of this story is this. Fleeing is sometimes your only option. Fleeing sometimes is your only option. Finally, Joseph had to run away from Potiphar's wife. As we saw in the story, one particular day, there was no other servants in the house. It was just Joseph and it was Potiphar's wife. And she grabs him and says, come to bed with me. And he runs from her, runs right out of his cloak, took off. I mean, that was the moment. If Joseph was ever going to take advantage of the situation, that was it. Nobody in the house, just him and her. He could have gotten away with it. But let me have a sidebar for one moment here, please. Even if we're alone in a room, we're never alone. There's always one other person in the room with us, and his name's the Holy Spirit. But Joseph takes off, run. It was the only real option available. But I believe before Joseph physically ran from her, he had already emotionally and psychologically run from her. There's an interesting verse in here that in this story. Verse 10, it says, And though she, talking about Potiphar's wife, spoke to Joseph day after day, every day she's trying to lure him, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Now, obviously, going to bed with her would cross the line, but being with her, just maybe spending some time sitting down, having a conversation, how is that a problem? 
It was a problem for Joseph because he knew that's getting too close to the line. He knew if I get close, if I get closer, just even spending time, it's not going to take much for me to cross over the line. See, Joseph knew his weaknesses. He, he knew what he could take and couldn't take. And he had already run from her before ever that moment came. See, a life of integrity is not built in a single moment. Anybody can have a moment of integrity. A life of integrity is built over a series of the day-to-day integrity decisions that I make that face me every single day. Every day, every one of us are faced with a series of integrity choices and decisions And as we bake those choices in in integrity and responsibility, that's what builds this integrity life within us. Which is to say just the opposite. I believe a lack of integrity happens as we lose integrity over time. I mean, we see these scandals and these leaders in all areas of life that fall because of immorality or some type of of malfeasance or some type of conduct unbecoming. But I don't believe that fall was in that one moment. I believe over a series of time, as they made lack of integrity decisions, the foundation of integrity in life began to erode. They, cut, they, 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 they took a shortcut here. They, they cut the corners here. They rationalized here. They justified here. They covered up here. And all those things eroded that foundation. So when it came to the moment, there was nothing to draw upon, and they fell. I'm sure you have seen in the news this Titan submarine that would go down to the wreckage of the Titanic that had the tragic accident that killed those tourists that were going down there. Well, that wreckage of the Titanic, I believe, was found like in the 1980s. And when they began to dive down to discover how the Titanic sank, they expected to see a huge hole in the hull. But that's not what they found. What they ultimately found were seven small gashes in the hole where it had rubbed up against the iceberg under the water. And those seven small gashes just kept allowing water to seep in until finally the Titanic was taken down. It's not the gaping hole of a lack of integrity. I don't think that gets us. It's those gashes. There's no shame in running. None. Let me ask you, who might be in your life that's helping you run? Who's your accountability partners? Who are the ones that are getting in your face telling you what you don't just want to hear, but what you need to hear? Who are those people that help us stay away from the line? You know, I attended Reinhardt Junior College when I was a freshman in Reinhardt University now, just right up the road. Now, back in that day, Waleska, Georgia had a bunch of dinosaurs, and they had a post office and a blinking light. That's all that was there. I had a roommate who was from Great Britain. His name was Sean. And Sean was an atheist. 
Now, I was a, a Christian Pentecostal kid. He and I had some lively, interesting conversations about God, the Bible, Jesus. We did it respectfully. We had great relationship, good friendship. One day, he and I were in the room of a couple of other uh, people in our dorm, a couple of other guys. We were in their room. We're talking, just hanging out. And all of a sudden, one of them pulled out an adult magazine. And they were looking at it. And I was over here. And I began to feel left out. I began to feel third of the odd man out. I began to feel like I'm not a part. And so they put the magazine down. And I kind of made my way over to it. And Opened it up, got it about halfway open, and a big old hand slammed it down. I looked up, and it was Sean. He said, Mark, what are you doing? He said, this isn't you. Don't compromise who you are to be one of us. Now, folks, you've never been convicted until you've been convicted by a devout atheist. Let me just tell you that right now. Here's my question. Who's the big hand in your life? What atheists do you need? Sometimes the only option you have, run. No shame in running. God's favor is not an excuse for us to be irresponsible or be people of a lack of integrity. And sometimes the only option you have is to run. And the third and final observation I'll make with you is this. The ultimate purpose of integrity is to honor God. That's the motivation. That's where it comes from. It's interesting. In this dialogue, this conversation between Joseph and Potiphar's wife in verse 9. He says this to her. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against who? It wasn't about, yeah, I can't do that to Potiphar. Nah, he's been too good to me. You know, no, he's like, I can't do this because I'm going to honor God. See, the whole motivation for integrity is to honor him. He's a God of integrity. He is who he claims to be, and he does what he says he will do. And I want to reflect that in my life because I didn't deserve anything he has given unto me. Joseph was all about honoring him. Now, here's what's interesting now look at this. Joseph did all the right things. He carried out the right things. And what happened to him? He ends up in jail. Well, thank you very much, God. I did it right. I did what you wanted me to do. And here I am. But you know what's crazy? Read the story. I read a little bit of it. He goes to the prison. He's still a person of integrity and responsibility. They put him in charge of the whole prison. Wow. You know what he could have said? Hang this. The last time I did what was right, the last time I honored God, the last time I did all the things I was supposed to do, I ended over here. I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't get me anywhere. That's not what he did. It's interesting. Joseph didn't use the favor of God 
to be a person of irresponsibility, nor did he use the disfavor of Potiphar to be a person of irresponsibility. The injustice, the mistreatment, I'm still going to honor God. Lee Strobel is one of my favorite authors. And you may know that name, perhaps. Lee Strobel, since I've been talking about atheists here, he was a devout atheist. He was a journalist for the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. He became a Christian by setting out to disprove Christianity. But he realized all the evidence pointed to the reality of Christ and what Christ claimed to be. Came to Christ as a pastor. Now he's an author. He writes all kinds of books defending the Christian faith, the evidence of the Christian faith. It's what we call an apologist. I've read about every book he's written. He tells a story when he was a pastor of this business owner who had just become a believer. But one of the things that led him to becoming a believer is the Christian workers that he employed in his business. And he tells Lee the story of one particular worker that had the greatest impact on his life. Now I'm going to read this to you. It's a little lengthy, so lean in and hang in with me. And This owner says to Lee, he says, you know, I was naturally drawn to God by observing Christian workers who were conscientious and kind and thorough and aggressive on the job. But I'll tell you what really impressed me. One day, a guy who knew to be, I knew to be a fresh Christian convert asked if he could see me after work. I agreed to meet with him, but later in the day, I began to worry that this young religious zealot was going to try to come convert me too. I was surprised when he came into my office with his head hanging down. And he said to me, sir, I only take a few minutes, but I'm here to ask your forgiveness. Over the years, I've worked for you. I've done what a lot of other employees do. I've borrowed a few company products here and there. I've taken extra supplies. I've taken advantage of phone privileges. I've cheated the time clock here and there. He said, but I became a Christian a few months ago, and it's real. It's not smoke and mirror stuff. And in gratitude for what Christ has done for me, in obedience to him, I want to make amends to you and the company for the wrong I've done. So could we figure out a way to do that? If you want to fire me, I understand I deserve it. Or if you want to give me extra work to do on my own time, I'm happy to do that too. I just want to make things right with God and between us. Well, the owner told Strobel that, hey, we work things out. But then he said this. He said, that conversation made a deeper spiritual impact on me than anything else ever had. It was the single most impressive demonstration of true Christianity, he said, I had ever witnessed. Doing the right thing, being responsible, integrity. Now, obviously, the more we do that, the more better things are going to happen in our lives for sure, but that may not happen right away. Being a person of integrity takes tremendous courage, especially in our day and time. And like Joseph, we can take that stand or whatever, and we can maybe get into some difficult consequences as a result, but 
Let me just share with you, integrity is not about the consequences. It's, it's, it's not about reward. It's not about even popularity. Integrity is about character. God's character. The motivation for being people of integrity is to honor the God of all integrity. I invite you to bow your heads, please. Just take a moment. Just a moment for you to just let the Holy Spirit maybe search your heart. Where might you be getting close to the line? And you need Him to help you see that. Or maybe you've crossed the line. You know it. And you need to do some repentant work with the Lord or perhaps even go to someone and make amends. Or maybe you've done the right things. You've been that person of integrity. And as a result, maybe like Joseph, it hasn't worked out like you thought it was going to. You're struggling to forgive. Maybe you're even angry with God. Maybe you said, God, help me. Help me be the person you want to be even in this place of injustice. I just want to give a few moments of silence, you and the Holy Spirit, and then I'll say a quick closing prayer. same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who changes not. We come to you. Thank you for being the God of integrity that you are, that we can ultimately fully trust you. I pray for all those in this room, including myself. Search our hearts. See where there be any wicked way in us. See where we're getting close to the line, or we've crossed the line, or we need help forgiving. We need help being the person of integrity you want us to be where we are, because We don't deserve to be where we are. But God, I thank you. You never leave us and you never forsake us. But empower us to be and do what it is you want us to be and do that we truly might influence this world. I pray for healed relationships in Jesus' name. Moms and dads, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, employers, employees, neighbors, whatever it may be. Pray for Generations Church. May it go a next level in being the church of integrity you want it to be, that it might truly impact Canton and surrounding areas. For your praise, glory, and honor, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.